Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And we are in part two of a series called, What Do You Meme? And for some of us, we're like, what's a meme? I don't know. For those of us who've been on social media, we know we're kind of like, uh, we really got to explain it to you, but we will. Um, it's usually just like a post that someone makes and it has a statement and a picture. And what we're doing in the series is going through uh, memes that kind of poke holes or take a punch at Christianity in answering that. But I thought we'd start with a little bit lighter um, Christian pickup lines and memes of Christian pickup lines. So here you got one is, hey girl, uh, you really are a fisher of men, and baby, you just reeled me in. All right, so that's uh, 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 Christian pickup. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah, these are, these are gross. Um, the Bible says to think about whatever is pure and lovely. So I've been thinking about you all day. All right, so uh, Christian pickup lines. Now this one you're only going to get if you are within the, the, the Christian world. Um, and, and if you're not out, if you're outside of Christianity, this isn't going to make sense. It's kind of an insider one. So, hey, girl, do you prefer sloppy wet or unforeseen? Anybody know what song th- that is from? I can't even remember it off the top of my head, um, but it's a Crowder song. And uh, uh, a lot of Christians didn't like that he, uh, you got a sloppy wet kiss from, from God. So they, they, they switched it. It's triggering some people. All right, now, all right. This is for the dorks. This is for the dorks in uh, Los Alamos or myself. I like my girls like I like Microsoft Word documents saved. <laughs> all right. Uh, so very cheesy. Um, you can just Google uh, Christian pickup lines if you want to throw up later. Um, they're, they're pretty bad. Um, this is today's that we're going to be tackling. Uh, Christians be like, look at all this evidence I have that God is, is real. And so it's, and obviously you see the guy squinting, so he's saying there's not much evidence that, that God's real. Some of us, we feel like this. Just this one um, picture with this text is like, oh, I don't, I mean, the evidence that I can think of or would try to come up with may be, that small. I want to help us with that. I want to help this guy kind of open his eyes a little bit. He doesn't need to squint. I think there are five things that I think are huge that have massive implications uh, on how we live our lives. Five pieces of evidence uh, that I want to go through today. But before I kind of jump in with that, I want to give you a couple definitions and I want to give you one illustration on this. So let's talk about atheism. And the best, I, I've, there's no way, there's going to be atheists or even you in this room, if you're an atheist or non-atheist, you're like, the definition is wrong. But what I've been uh, gleaning from atheists and as they speak, they would say it's not so much, I, I don't believe that God exists. It's just theism, which is the belief that God exists. They would say, I'm atheist. Like, I don't think there's enough evidence for that. It would be like someone saying, I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to look at kids, a tooth fairy or something like that. Just put an A in front of the, the thing and say, well, I don't think there's enough evidence for that thing to exist. They're not saying, I don't believe that, God, or that atheists believe that God doesn't exist. They would just say, no, I don't believe in theism. I don't think there's enough evidence for that. But personally, as they go through that, that rationale, I don't think it holds up. Uh, quite honestly, either God exists or he doesn't. And so I, I don't know any other way around that. 
And so that's kind of the position I'm in. I would, I would really try to corner a, an atheist to say, I, I don't think it's not enough evidence that God exists. I, I would really try to say, no, um, you're believing that you don't believe God exists. Or if they say there's a possibility, and I'll talk about this later, agnostic, which is like, well, God exists, but we don't know much about him, or we can't know anything about him. It would put you into that category. So that's just some terminology. Theism, let's go ahead and talk about theism. This is the idea that there's one God, and I'm just going to hit this real quick, okay, because you're going to be like, well, why are these there? But if you were really to go through the rationale of, of a, okay, there's a no, God doesn't exist, or God does exist, there's some sort of supreme being. This, this being would have be infinite, unlimited, uncaused, eternal, unchangeable, omnipresent, pure. Like there's no, there's no potential. It's all actualized. There's, and, and there's only one. I don't have time to really bite into all of those. I'm trying to really give you the, the highlights here. But that's this being. This being, we got to give it a word in our English language for, in theism. If this being exists, that's what we would label God typically, when you would see those attributes. So I'm going to just say this being of theism is called God. There's only one of them, and it's just all infinite, okay? So I'm saying either, either God exists or he doesn't, and we're going to try to break that down. Now, can you prove, Mike, can you prove 100% with 100% certainty that God exists? I'm going to say no. All right. Now, for some of you, it might get tense. You're like, "What? Are, you know, what's going on here?" Let me give you an example to help explain. All right. So, I got a picture up here. I want to show you. Let's say I get home from church today to find my door is open, and when I walk in to the to my house, I noticed that the uh, all my electronics are stolen. Someone has graffitied the word "sucker" on my wall. And my neighbor comes out to say, I saw someone running out of your house with all of your electronics. All right, so we're immediately going to be thinking, uh, I got robbed. There was a burglar that came into my house. But let's imagine scenario number two, where I come home, I see the doors open, I'm kind of frantic looking around, and what I come to find out is that, you know, it's a windy spring day, I didn't lock my door, the door blew open. A good Samaritan happened to be walking by, saw that there was a situation of which my door was open, all the electronics, they were a good Samaritan. They didn't want my things to be stolen. So in their good Samaritan nature, they took the stuff and we're going to hold it for safekeeping until I arrive back home. Somebody uh, during that time was running by. They loved graffiti and the graffiti things. They saw the situation. It was open to graffiti someone's house. So they stepped in, wrote sucker on my wall. My neighbor saw the Good Samaritan taking the stuff out who was trying to protect my equipment. But in isolation, this could be true. Like that all of those things could have, have lined up. So we can imagine two different scenarios where I walk home and, and nothing's in my house, the electronics are gone. And so there's a possibility, there's a possibility that scenario two could be true. But for you and I, when we look at the evidence, when we examine the evidence, and that's what we're talking about, you're going to, like most of us would have immediately gone to, well, the evidence suggests and points scenario number one when you look at it. So 
when I say you can't prove it 100% true, what I'm saying is we can always envision or imagine something else. But we got to look at the evidence, and it's almost a bit of percentages to say, well, what does the percentages, what is the evidence, what does the probability suggest here? And that's what I want to try to open up with you today and kind of share with you is what are these. I want to go through five, and I think these are huge. I think if you're open and honest today, you really got to, to, to wrestle with these. And the first one is cause and effect. Cause and effect. Now, I have with me my awesome Yeti mug that we gave away at church a, a couple years ago, and, um, and I have some, some coffee in here. It's lukewarm. Who in here, by show of hands, are online? Uh, uh, cold coffee drinkers. Cold? Cold, cold, cold? Warm? Warm? Hot? Or hot coffee? All right, we don't like the lukewarm. Okay, everybody, the cold ones, uh, we'll have a prayer section over here for you later. Uh, there's something off, uh, and so we'll, we'll try to fix that. Okay, so uh, I have my coffee uh, here. You would say, where did you get the coffee? Because I want some. We're not serving any. Where did, where did you get this coffee? And I could say that the coffee in here actually, um, you know what? I poured it in from, I didn't have a table, so I just got to work with this, and that's fine. Uh, the coffee actually came from, from, from that cup. And you're like, okay, well, where did that coffee come from? And I would say, well, it actually came from that cup. Well, where did that coffee come from? It came from that cup. Where did that coffee come from? It came from that cup. And we could go on and on and on with this cause and effect thing where I could just point back and say, well, they, we just kept pouring in a chain, and we can imagine an infinite amount of cups to where did things come from? And I'm not talking about coffee. I'm talking about life, existence. Where did you come from? You say, mom and dad, well, where did they come from? And where did they come? And where did they come? The origins of, of life. And all of these things were in a way, cause and effect. Someone poured the coffee in here. Someone poured the coffee in here. Someone poured the coffee here. Eventually, in order to get the coffee, I needed a coffee maker. <laughs> and this is a very simple illustration of evidence number one. Where did we come from? Where did it all start? And it's, it's absolutely imperative when we think about does God exist or not that we are creation. We are created. Everything created needs a creator. Now, this begs the question from people who are still like, eh, I'm, don't, I'm not convinced, who created God? Who created the coffee maker? Now, in my illustration, it breaks down because somebody created the, the, the coffee maker. But by definition, by definition, God, he's not a created being. By definition, infinite, unlimited. There's, there's, he's, he's unchangeable. You're, 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 when you ask who created God, you're assuming a limited being. But by definition, unlimited, outside of space, time, and matter. 
All right, so the universe, when it had its, when it had its beginning, something, we're going to talk about this in a second, created that. Who created God? You're, it's, it is, you're, you're assuming a limited being. Nothing, nothing created God. He is that outside source by definition, which I showed you in, in theism. Otherwise, he was, an, if, if, if that's the case, he's limited in some way, shape, or form, which means we're back to atheism again because he's not, he's not God. He's not those things. He would be, he would be limited. Now, Genesis 1.1, I'm not, this isn't a proof, okay? But Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, time, God created heavens, space, and the earth, matter. Okay, you have a picture. Something outside of time, space, matter. Something outside of nature. Something supernatural, supernature, created everything natural. Okay, so that is cause and effect. Everything is natural that we see. God is outside of that, and that is a big one. I'm going to try to not spill too much coffee as I go through that. So this is a big one. If you're wondering, this isn't the only proof, but that is one area of where did we, uh, where did we come from? Now, a couple of the arguments would be <clears throat> not about who created God, but they would say this didn't exist, that the universe was created out of nothing, because to, to suggest a coffee maker would be to suggest God, which atheists would say, I don't want to suggest God. So they'd say, the coffee got in there and it came out of nothing. That doesn't sound very rational. And even scientists would say, that's not rational. You can't get something from nothing. All right, so then some of the arguments would say the universe is the eternal. Like, the universe is God. So, so, this is the universe. And the universe that we know right now is, is in continual expansion. So, in a way, for millions and billions of years, the universe um, has always been and is just in this continual state of creation right now. So, it is this infinite being. But, but... The implications, okay? So the world is God. The universe is God. It's this infinite thing that we're talking about, all right? The implications, if you, if you follow the lines and the dots, that means you and I, we are of this world. We're in this part of this infinite creation being. That would mean you're God. I'm God, which is very, so you might be like, what? I'm God? <laughs> Woohoo, that's awesome. But that in itself would go ahead and show you that it's, that it's a contradiction. God is unlimited, all-knowing, all-powerful. You can't just learn something. And so you have everything in this universe. If you were to look at the stars, the sun, the planet, us, the plants, any, anything you see in this world or in the universe, it's all created. It is all finite. It all had a cause before it. And so you can't have a ton of uh, everything that is finite be unlimited. It's, a, it's an absolute contradiction. And plus, you're a terrible God, by the way, <laughs> if we're being honest. It was like, I'm no, I'm no good at this. I have enough time trying to, to control my own life, much less yours, okay? Everything we observe is natural. 
That's what I'm trying to say. You need something supernatural in order to create something natural. Cause and effect, number one. Where do we come from? And then just keep asking, where did that come from? 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 Until you get to the outer original cause. Second thing, intelligent design. Intelligent design. There is fine tuning in our universe, everywhere you look. And I had a video. Is that video queued up? It is not. Ah, I forgot it. Well, there's a, there's a video of Richard Dawkins, and I'll, I'll, I'll share some things. Here's, here's what Stephen Hawking had to say. If the rate of expansion, we're talking about the creation of the universe. Stephen Hawking, brilliant mind, passed away a few years ago, uh, noted atheist uh, scientist, and wrote a ton on this. If the rate of expansion one second after the Big Bang had been smaller by even one part in a hundred thousandths million million, the universe would have recollapsed before it ever reached its present size. The odds against a universe like ours emerging of something like the Big Bang are enormous. I think clearly there are religious implications whenever you... you start to discuss the origins of the universe. Right? This is a, an, an atheist who's very famous, Stephen Hawking, saying it took a miracle to get this universe that came out of, out of nothing. In fact, scientists would say, in order to get that original piece of life, right, if God didn't exist, in order to get life, there needed to be about 24 different constants, or you can imagine like dials, and they had to be just right in order for some sort of life, that first cell, that first life to be created. So this is what you need in order, if there's no God, this is what would have had to have happened in order for life to come into existence, that you had to have just all the dials just right. The question is, where did the dials come from? It would be like the, law, the laws of physics. Like you, physics had to just, everything just be perfect. An example, and Stephen Hawking saying within the, the number was a hundred thousandths, millionths, millionths of a chance that this thing actually worked. Otherwise, if any one of those would have been off, the universe just would have collapsed on itself at the beginning and nothing would have happened. So to say, in order for that to happen, here's, here's what needed to happen. 24 constants uh, put in place. Where did they come from and who monkeyed with those to make that happen? Still don't have an answer. Dawkins was in a, in a, in a, in a debate, and uh, Richard Dawkins, and uh, he says the laws of physics had to have already existed. Those would have had to already been in place. I don't know where they came from, but he said they would have had to, to uh, explain. So when asked where did those come from, Mr. Dawkins, who, 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 who got those in place, he says physics does not yet have its Darwin. Translation, we're still trying to figure it out. Give us more time. We don't know, but science is still trying to figure out who created the laws of physics. Everywhere you look, there's fine-tuning in our, in our world. Carl Sagan, scientist, says the equivalent of 20 million books is inside the heads of every one of us. The neurochemistry of the brain is astonishingly busy the circuitry of a machine more wonderful than anything devised by humans. You look at just even our DNA and what's lined up in there and what we've learned by science. You see more order 
in every aspect of our universe. And if everything was just randomly placed together, like if I were to take confetti and just drop it here, it only gets more random and more complex as it goes, not more ordered. It doesn't just all pile up together. But when we are honest, when we're rational and we look, we see from the smallest cells to, to, the, to the universe and its grandness. There's order in and all around us. Now, granted, there's chaos that's going on too, but you got to look at the intelligent design. You cannot just dismiss the order and where that came from. It's a huge aspect when we're talking about, what's the evidence for God? Well, let's see where everything came from. Describe that. Then, what is the fine-tuning of our universe? How did that happen? Because we see it everywhere. The third one is morals, moral evidence. This one, to me personally, is one of the biggest ones. We talked about this last week with Charlie. He, he kind of shared about this, and I want to I talk about this. Hawking, Stephen Hawking. I'm, I'm quoting a lot of, of, of what I would call new atheists, this new atheism and a lot of their ideas and some of their main, not everyone, but a lot of the main people who you would see who's refuting Christianity or refuting God and saying we're atheists and this is why. All right, this is what they have to say. The, and Stephen Hawking says this, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That is a fairy story, fairy tale story for people afraid of the dark. So religion is just admitted. We're actually just ones and zeros. We're computers. Now, here's what, if you are, if you're like, hey, I don't believe that gods exist, this has massive implications. And it started to, to show itself here in what he's saying. If, if there is no God, then all you are is just ones and zeros. There really is no you. Like you are just a biology. Your cells that get activated for a while, and then you're done, and you cease, and that's it. If there is no God, not only is there no you, there's no such thing as, as value. Value is absolutely arbitrary. It's just purely, purely made up. So your kids have no value. You have no value. Your parent, the people who you love and care for, they're just ones and zeros. That's it. Cease to exist forever if there is, if there is no God. One of the biggest ones, there's no such thing as justice. In, in, in an atheistic theology or worldview, there is no such thing as justice. There is no standard for morality. What you end up with is you have your justice, your way. Hey, this is, this is what's true for me. This is how I'm living my life. You, and, and you have your justice. I have mine. KKK has theirs. Republican has their justice. Democrats have their justice. ISIS has their justice. And you end up with all of this rich person justice all of this type of injustice, and there's no way to stake a foundational claim on who's right, who's wrong. This has massive implications. What, what is a, one thing I know is nobody lives like that. In fact, let me give you a, a, few, more, uh, a few more quotes in, an, in another example. In another debate, uh, Richard Dawkins was with Justin Brierley, and Justin Brierley said, so when you make a value judgment, don't you immediately step yourself outside of the evolutionary process 
and say that the reason this is good is that it's good. And you don't have any, any way to stand on that statement. This is being asked to Dawkins. Dawkins says, my value judgment itself could come from my evolutionary past. So he's saying, and I've heard other people say, hey, it's just my values, my morals, I don't believe in God. It, it came from evolution. It came from my biology. That's where I know my sense of right and wrong. So Justin Brierley says, okay, it came from your evolutionary past, so therefore, it's just as random, in a sense, as any product of evolution. Richard Dawkins says, yes, you could say that. It doesn't, in any case, it, in any case, nothing about it makes it probable that there's anything supernatural. So Dawkins is saying, hey, this came from my evolutionary past. It's random, but it doesn't necessarily mean it had to have come from God, my morals. Ah, Justin Burley says, ultimately, then your belief that rape is wrong is as arbitrary as the fact that we evolved five fingers rather than six. And Dawkins says, yeah, you could say that. Nobody lives like this. If, if God doesn't exist, you have to check these boxes. You're no more than ones and zeros. There is no such thing as value. Morals is as random as you having five fingers versus six on your hand. Atheism is impossible to live. Try to live like this for one day. You can't. Any sort of, they would be borrowing from theism. Any sort of value or moral judgment is actually borrowed from a theistic worldview. You might be saying, well, who needs God? If you came in there and say, I don't need God. There is no God. You know, I'm, I'm fine on my own or whatever then these, this is what you have to, to live with. There's not much hope in that. Let, let, let me do this. Let's say we found out in our evolutionary uh, uh, process that it was good and healthy and right to torture Dallas Cowboy fans. All right? <laughs> yeah, I know they're already tortured enough. Why do you got to? <laughs> All right. But somehow we found it was good. You know, torture them. Just go after them, punch them. Let's say, you know what? If you, if you saw one and you were hungry, you just leap over and you grab them by the back of the neck and you bite them and you just start eating lunch and you're like, oh, why are you cannibalistic or whatever? You're like, hey, it's just natural. It's just wired in me to do this. No, we wouldn't do that. That's crazy. Just this past week, at Ashley Pond, I don't know if you saw this, we have Homer and Edna, all right? But apparently, they caught this on, on, on film, two ducks were brought in by somebody to Ashley Pond, and then these two ducks were then attacked by all the other ducks because they're not of the tribe, right? And so then these ducks, here they are, had to be rescued because the other ducks were just going after, probably would have killed them. I don't, I, don't, I don't know ducks, biology or whatever, but that's, that's what happened. Now, here's what the newspaper said. The newspaper said, Los Alamos Animal Shelter told the Los Alamos Daily Post Monday that an individual was spotted on cameras carrying the two ducks in a pet kennel at Ashley Pond. The person released the two ducks, watched them for a bit, and then left. The, newcomer, the two newcomers, which were already sick and injured, were pecked at by the long-term inhabitants. If all we are is nature, nature knows no justice. If anything, nature is cruel. And so we, nobody blamed the ducks. 
When I, when I got on social media, no one's like, oh, those ducks, I can't believe that's how they would treat a newcomer. That's outrageous. No, we looked at the ducks and say, that's pretty normal. What did you think was going to happen? The human, however, who did that, I don't know if it was someone in here, it doesn't even matter. They were not happy with the human. Whatever he did, whatever that person, he or she did, they were, they, something was wrong. Why does the human, if everything's natural, get, get judged at a certain level? You need theism to get there. And by the way, the Bible, which I'm not using as a proof, just says you were made in the image of God. You are set apart from all of creation. There's something valuable about you. That all of this, all of this longing for meaning and purpose and value it just might be the thumbprint of God. And all I want to say to you today, whether you're watching online, you're watching a replay, or you're in the room, you can't dismiss these things. I didn't use anything, any shred of the Bible to say, well, the Bible says, and this is how you prove that God exists. You don't need it. You can just look at life. You can look at the complexity and the order in life. And you have to come to a conclusion Look at the evidence and see which one can be lived out. Which one points in the right direction. I'm not, as far as Christianity is concerned and why I believe in God, the big one was morals. I believe I have value. I believe I have purpose. I believe you do too. And when it came to my kids, I believe that even more. But if I had to go with the godless world, I have to start living a different way. And I just couldn't do that. Because everything pointed to their value in your value. And again, the Bible, <clears throat> it, it talks about this. It says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Though through everything God was made, and they've clearly seen his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Again, I'm not using that as a proof for, for why God exists or why Christianity is true. I'm just saying that's how the Bible describes it. So cause and effect, where did we come from? Intelligent design, morals, what's the standard? Those are three. Now, where does that get me? And it gets you to God exists. That doesn't get you to Christianity, by the way. And I'm going to try to wrap this up here real, real, real quick because i got two more things I want to share, you, uh, share with you. That gets you to Judaism, Christianity, and Islam on, on why God exists. And there's distinctions between those. I'm not going to have time to go through them all. Does it 100%? No, but you got to look at the evidence. If you were if you were blind, and I and and you, have you seen some of those puzzles where they kind of like one at a time, like show you like a part of an image, and it's slowly coming together. You can't see the whole image, but you kind of got to guess as to what's being pieced together in this puzzle. Let's say, for instance, I was I was blinded, all right, and there was an elephant in the room, but I didn't know it was an elephant in the room, all right? I just, I had no clue. You're like, there's an object, you need to identify it. Well, what would you do? There would be certain things where I would, I would, if, if I couldn't see it and tell absolutely, I could touch it and, okay, here's the texture of this, all right? I could maybe hear certain things. I could maybe smell certain things. And when you start to, I don't have the whole picture, right? I don't have the full understanding of all of these things, but I can get enough of the picture and I can get enough of the understanding to say, there's an elephant in the room. Everything would point and suggest to someone burglarize my house after I examine all the evidence. All I'm getting to, can you prove that God exists? 100% no, but all the evidence, you've got to weigh it all. 
and say, it's pointing, it's pointing in this direction. Now, number four. Actually, let me just do this. I want to go back to agnostic. An agnostic. Because some people will say, well, okay, God exists. I'm not ready to adopt Christianity yet. I can't quite check the boxes of atheism, so I'll kind of move into this agnostic thing. Well, let's define agnostic, agnosticism. God exists, but it's impossible to know anything about him, even that God exists. All right, so it's like God exists, but he's so distant, definitely not personal. But do you understand the contradiction that's even being made here? That he exists, but it's possible to even know him or know that he existed in the first place. That's, that right there is a contradiction. It also says for the agnostic, you assume a lot of knowledge about something you say there is absolutely no knowledge about. So that has major implications as well. Agnosticism is basically a veil for atheism. It, it, it leads to skepticism, and it's, it's basically just a cover for atheism if you want to break it down. All right, now, let's, let's keep moving on. Number four, the resurrection. This is where you start getting into Christianity, but this is what Christianity hangs in the balance of right here. If you're a Christian here today, 90, the genesis of your faith did not start in Genesis. Okay, so we talked about where did creation come from, all right? The genesis of your faith did not start in Genesis 1.1. 99% of the things that you're not at peace about with the Bible, you read through, I read through the Bible, I'm not at peace with everything I read. I'm like, I don't understand that. Talking donkeys and talking snakes and like, what is that? That's weird. I don't understand it, all right? 99% of the things that you are uncomfortable with or not at peace with in the Bible Okay, and I believe the Bible. Okay, B believe me, I believe it. I'm just uncomfortable with it. I think that's okay. I think it just shows that you're human. But 99% of those things that I'm uncomfortable with have zero to do with the with the the meaning of Christianity, the foundation of Christianity. What's the foundation of Christianity? The resurrection. Paul said it like this. He said, "If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless." So we have to wrestle with the fact that there was this guy named Jesus who lived on this earth who knew he had some sort of divine appointment. And he, he lived out miracles and he knew he, he claimed to be God. That's why he died. All right? But then there were eyewitnesses who saw him die on a cross. Did he really die? What is Rome known for? Killing people. Gladiators. Death. They didn't have any issue killing him. All right? they, he was dead. But then you had eyewitnesses after he died. They're like, all hope's gone. There's the game over. The story's over. We're out of here. We're the next one on the chopping block. But then something happened. That something happened was the resurrection. And then it was like, <laughs> game on. All of a sudden, when the resurrection happened, and people saw it, and they talked to him, and they touched him, and they, they, they smelled him, or whatever. Like, he's alive! That changed everything, and now you have to wrestle with that. Well, who do we do, what do we do with this Jesus guy? And the eyewitnesses who, who, who continue, in the time of other eyewitnesses, talked about it, wrote about it, and said, check it, fact check this thing, I saw him. And then they're like, I saw him too. And then he worked miracles in my life. And he said these things, and you got to know what he said. Like, all the stuff that Jesus said and did was great, but if he didn't rise from the dead, there's a lot of people in history who have said and done a lot of great things. 
But all of a sudden, when he rose from the dead, after claiming to be God, you had to wrestle with that and say, okay, now everything he said and everything he did now has implications for me in my life. I would say if you question it, good. Now go investigate it. Don't be lazy in your doubts and your questions. Go and look this up. Christianity is based on an event. It's based on an event on the resurrection. Some of the most uh, well-documented sources in antiquity that we have is our Bible and why it's put together. I'm going to talk about it in the coming weeks. How do we even get a Bible? How can we even trust our Bible? You're, you're reading it. You're depending on it, right? Well, how did it come about? It's a great question. I don't have time for it today. But I'm telling you, you've got to wrestle this one down. Evidence. You have evidence behind your faith. Archaeology, historical evidence that would say you're not just, this isn't some irrational fairy tale. It's actually very rational. It's much more rational than, I don't know, we just haven't figured it out yet. It's much more rational than, well, maybe there was some type of higher advanced alien technology thing that we just haven't found and we'll just figure it out. When you start talking about, well, where did that original life come from? Well, maybe it was aliens. Maybe it was crystals. Maybe there was these 24 dots. Like, just trying to look at the evidence and see where it all points to. And the last one is this, personal experience. I don't hang much weight on, I I like to share stories, but for some of us, stories are not enough. They're like, I need more evidence. Hey, this fact that Robert shared his story and he met Jesus, great for Robert, good for you, not for me. And I get that with a lot of my friends. I totally understand that. So that's where the other four come in. But you know and I know, personal experience. This is how faith works. When, when, when you, you don't get to experience the full reality of something until you place your faith in it. So with God, once you place your faith in God, then you'll know that he is who he claims to be. Now, you might be like, well, I'll just say this. You put faith, you practice faith every day. How many of you had coffee this morning? Okay. For those of, who, for those of us who are married, you trusted that your, your spouse didn't, poison your coffee when they handed it to you because they were being nice. Or they didn't poison it the night before, right? You had faith. You just trusted that you had faith. You have, if you use money, cash, you have faith in our government. You're <laughs> like, no, I don't. But you have faith that that dollar bill is worth a dollar when you go and buy something for it. You have faith when you came in this room and sat down in a chair, you may not have fully examined it, but you had, hey, this looks like a chair. It, 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 most chairs work. I'm assuming they're not going to let me crash on my face. Looks solid. I can sit here. It's going to hold my weight. You had faith. But you didn't realize, you didn't see it actually come to fruition until you took action and put your, you put your faith in that thing and you trusted it. Same thing with God. I remember... Like Robert, I gave my life to Jesus when I was young. But I ran, and I ran well. College, I wanted nothing to do with him, and I was living my own life. God brought me to Los Alamos in 2003. I'm here. I don't know anyone except for work. And it was in the middle of the night in August in 2003. I just woke up, and I felt this 
this, oh, I don't know how to describe it other than this overwhelming, undeniable, undeniable presence of God in my life. I didn't hear an audible voice, but this was one of the most raw and real moments in my life. It spooked the crap out of me because I'm like, oh man, we're not alone here. He said, what are you fighting for? That's what he was saying to me. What are you fighting for? What are you fighting for? What are you holding on to? And I knew the life I was living, and that was not a, it was fun. <laughs> fun. Oh, but so terrible and so exhausting, and I was tired. What are you fighting for, Mike? What are you fighting for? I said, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done fighting. And it's at that moment I surrendered in the middle of the night in August of 2003. I just started bawling my eyes out. And I don't know how to describe that. I wish I could bring that, I, that presence of God into your life and everyone and say, this is the most raw and real moment of my life. The God of this universe said, you're not alone. I'm here with you and I love you. And in that moment, I said, please forgive me. And all the weight, everything I'd been carrying, I, it just was fresh and new. Was I fixed? No, I'm really broken. I'm still broken now. But there was freedom. When I stopped fighting, there was freedom when I finally let go. I don't know what you're holding on to today. Quite honestly, this whole conversation, it boils down to one word, surrender. You look at the evidence, because here's, here's the thing. You, you could be here today or watching online, you're like, I'm an atheist, I hear you. Yeah, it's logical, but I don't believe it. You could give me the most logical explanation ever. I, I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, where I want to do it, how I want to do it, and I don't want anybody telling me otherwise. That's not just for atheists. That's for Christian atheists too. What's a Christian atheist? People who say they believe in God but live as if he doesn't exist, and that's everywhere. People who say they believe in God, but they don't, they don't believe in his power that he can do. We, we walk around and live like Christian atheists all the time. So I'm going to do things how I want, when I want, where I want, and God, I want you to bless it and come with me. That's nothing more than I'm God. I'm the center of the world. And that's how most of us want to live, which is why I said this comes down to the one word surrender. Is God trying to, to heap on a bunch of laws on you? a bunch of rules. Do I got to come to church, read my Bible, get baptized, pray, and be nice, and do all these things, and just totally change who I am? That's what I was like, what are you fighting for, Mike? I'm like, I don't want to be some weird, creepy Jesus freak. I don't want to do these things. It's like, I'm not asking you to do that. Why are you here? Why are we here? God created you because he loves you. He just wants a relationship with his creation. And because he's infinite and perfect, we're finite and imperfect. He's like, there's no way for these two things to marry. I still love you. I still want a relationship with you, but you're never going to earn it. So I'm just going to go make it right. I'll, I'll come to you. I'll, I'll do all the work. You just, you just got to be in relationship with me. Just start talking to Jesus. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be, in fact, it can be pretty messy. Just talk to him like he's your friend, like your father, like your mother. A relationship. That's all he wants. 
He says, go tell other people about it too. That's all he wants. I don't, know what you, I don't know what your thoughts are about Christianity. I don't know what your thoughts are about church or whatever. I hope this has helped. I hope this has helped give you some evidence to say my faith is not irrational. It's not flimsy. It's actually very logical. It's actually very personal. It's actually very purposeful, all by design. That, that's where the Bible intersects your story to go and live this thing out. That's where it intersected my story to go and live this thing out. So as we, we close this out, Freedom, I just I want us to stand. I want to pray and let God do his thing with us as we leave. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.